Section thirty one of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume eight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume eight, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton, eighteen twenty one through eighteen ninety. Section thirty one when it was the eight hundred and sixty-second night she resumed it hath reached me o auspicious king that zayn al-mawasif and her handmaids issued forth the convent gate and under favour of the night rode on till they overtook a caravan with which they mingled and found it came from the city of adan wherein the lady had dwelt presently zayn al-mawasif heard the people of the caravan discoursing of her own case and telling how the kazis and assessors were dead of love for her and how the townsfolk had appointed in their stead others who released her husband from prison whereupon she turned to her maids and asked them heard ye that and hubbub answered if the monks were ravished with love of thee whose belief it is that shunning women is worship how should it be with the kazis who hold that there is no monkery in al-islam but let us make our own way to our own country whilst our affair is yet hidden so they drave on with all diligence such was their case but as regards the monks on the morrow as soon as it was day they repaired to zayn al-mawasif's lodging to salute her but found the place empty and their hearts sickened within them so the first monk rent his raiment and improvised these couplets ho ye my friends draw near for i forthright from you depart since parting is my lot my vitals suffer pangs of fiery love flames of desire in heart burn high and hot forsake a fairest girl who sought our land whose charms the horizon's full moon evens not she fared and left me victimed by her love and slain by shaft those lids death-dealing shot then another monk recited the following couplets o ye who with my vitals fled have ruth on this unhappy haste ye homeward bound they fared and fared fair peace on farthest track yet lingers in mine ear that sweetest sound fared far and fare their fain would heaven i saw their shade in vision float my couch around and when they went with them they bore my heart and in my tear floods all of me left drowned a third monk followed with these extempore lines thrown you on highmost stead heart ears and sight your wounds my heart mine's all your dwelling sight sweeter than honey is your name a lip running as neath my ribs runs vital sprite for love hath made me as a toothpick lean and drowned in tears of sorrow and despite let me but see you in my sleep belike shall clear my cheeks of tears that lovely sight then a fourth recited the following couplets dumb is my tongue and scant my speech for thee and love the direst torture gars me dree o thou full moon whose place is highest heaven for thee but double pine and pain in me and a fifth these i love a moon of comely shapely form whose slender waist hath title to complain whose lip dews rival must and long-kept wine whose heavy haunches haunt the minds of men my heart each morning burns with pain and pine and the night-talkers note i'm passion slain while down my cheeks carnelian-like the tears of rosy red shower down like railing rain and a sixth of the following o thou who shunnest him thy love misled o branch of bon o star of highmost stead to thee of pine and passion i complain 
O thou who fired me with cheeks rosy red, Did e'er such lover lose his soul for thee, Or from prostration and from prayers fled? And a seventh, these, He seized my heart and freed my tears to flow, Brought strength to love and bade my patience go. His charms are sweet as bitter his disdain, And shafts of love his suitors overthrow. Stint blame, O blamer, and for past repent, None will believe thee who dost love unknown. And on likewise all the rest of the monks shed tears and repeated verses. As for Danus, the prior, weeping and wailing redoubled on him, For that he found no way to her enjoyment, And he chanted the following couplets. My patience failed me when my lover went, And fled that day mine aim and best intent. O guide, O litters, lead their camels fair, Haply some day they'll deign with me to tent. On parting day sleep parted from my lids, And grew my grieving and my joy was shent. I moan to Allah what for love I dreed, My wasted body and my forces spent. Then, despairing of her, they took counsel together, And with one mind agreed to fashion her image, And set it up with them, And applied themselves to this till there came to them The destroyer of delights and severer of societies. Meanwhile, Zayn al-Mawasif fared on, without ceasing, to find her lover Masrur, till she reached her own house. She opened the doors and entered, then she sent to her sister Nasim, who rejoiced with exceeding joy at the news of her return, and brought her the furniture and precious stuffs left in her charge. So she furnished the house and dressed it, hanging the curtains over the doors, and burning aloes wood and musk and ambergris and other essences, till the whole place reeked with the most delightful perfumes, after which the adornment of qualities donned her finest dress and decorations, and sat talking with her maids, whom she had left behind when journeying, and related to them all that had befallen her first and last. Then she turned to Hubbub, and giving her dirhams, bade her fetch them something to eat. So she brought meat and drink, and when they had made an end of eating and drinking, Zayn al-Mawasif bade Hubbub go and see where Masrur was, and how it fared with him. Now he knew not of her return, but abode with concern overcast, and sorrow might not be overpassed. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the eight hundred and sixty-third night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Zayn al-Mawasif entered her house, she was met by her sister Nasim, who brought her the furniture and stuffs wherewith she furnished the place, and then she donned her finest dress. But Masrur knew not of her return, and abode with concern overcast, and sorrow might not be overpassed. No peace prevailed with him, nor was patience possible to him. When as pine and passion, desire and distraction waxed on him, he would solace himself by reciting verse, and go to the house and set him its walls to buzz. It chanced that he went out that day to the place where he had parted from his mistress and repeated this rare song. My wrongs hide I with all they show to sight, and now mine eyes from sleep to wake are dight. I cry when melancholy tries my sprite, last not, O world, nor work more despite. Lo hangs my soul, twixt hardship and affright, where the sultan hight love but fair to me, slumber mine eyes companion were to me. My lords, some little mercy spare to me, chief of my tribe, be debonair to me, whom love cast down, erst rich, now pauper white. Censors may blame thee, but I look beyond. Mine ears I stop and leave their lies unconned, And keep my pact with those I love so fond. They say thou lovest a runaway. 
I respond, whist, when as fate descends she blinds the sight. Then he returned to his lodging and sat there weeping till sleep overcame him, when he saw in a dream as if Sayn al-Mawasif were come to the house and awoke in tears. So he set off to go thither, improvising these couplets. Shall I be consoled when love hath mastered the secret of me, and my heart is aglow with more than the charcoal's ardency? I love her whose absence I plain before Allah for parting stower, and the shifts of the days and doom which allotted me destiny. When shall our meeting be, O wish, O my heart and will? O favour of fullest moon, when shall we reunion see? As he made an end of his recitation, he found himself walking adown in Zayn al-Mawasif's street, and smelt the sweet savour of the pastilles wherewithal she had incensed the house. Wherefore his vitals fluttered, and his heart was like to leave his breast, and desire flamed up in him, and distraction redoubled upon him. When, lo and behold, Hubbub, on her way to do her lady's errand, suddenly appeared at the head of the street, and he rejoiced with joy exceeding. When she saw him, she went up to him, and saluting him, gave him the glad news of her mistress's return, saying, She hath sent me to bid thee to her, whereat he was glad indeed, with gladness naught could exceed, and she took him and returned with him to the house. When Zayn al-Mawasif saw him, she came down to him from the couch and kissed him, and he kissed her, and she embraced him, and he embraced her. Nor did they leave kissing and embracing, till both swooned away for stress of affection and separation. They lay a long while senseless, and when they revived, Zayn al-Mawasif bade Hubbub fetch her a guglet of sherbet of sugar, and another of sherbet of lemons. So she brought what she desired, and they sat eating and drinking, nor ceased before nightfall, when they fell to recalling all that had befallen them from commencement to conclusion. Then she acquainted him with her return to al-Islam, whereat he rejoiced, and he also became a Muslim. On likewise did her women, and they all repented to Allah Almighty of their infidelity. On the morrow she made send for the Kazi and the witnesses, and told them that she was a widow, and had completed the purification period, and was minded to marry Masrur. So they drew up the wedding contract between them, and they abode in all delight of life. Meanwhile the Jew, when the people of Adan released him from prison, set out homewards, and fared on, nor ceased faring, till he came within three days' journey of the city. Now as soon as Zayn al-Mawasif heard of his coming, she called for her handmaid Hubbub, and said to her, Go to the Jew's burial place, and there dig a grave, and plant on it sweet basil and jessamine, and sprinkle water thereabout. If the Jew come and ask thee of me, answer, My mistress died twenty days ago of chagrin on thine account. If he say, Show me her tomb, take him to the grave, and after weeping over it and making moan and lament before him, contrive to cast him therein and bury him alive. And Hubbub answered, I hear and I obey. Then they laid up the furniture in the store closets, and Zayn al-Mawasif removed to Masrur's lodging, where he and she abode, eating and drinking, till the three days were past, at the end of which the Jew arrived, and knocked at the door of his house. Quoth Hubbub, Who's at the door? And quoth he, Thy master. So she opened to him, and he saw the tears railing down her cheeks, and said, What aileth thee to weep, and where is thy mistress? She replied, My mistress is dead of chagrin on thine account. When he heard this, he was perplexed, and wept with sore weeping, and presently said, o hubbub where is her tomb so she carried him to the jew's burial-ground and showed him the grave she had dug whereupon he shed bitter tears and recited this pair of couplets 
two things there are for which if eyes wept tears on tear of blood till they were like indeed to disappear they never could fulfil the tithe of all their due and these are prime of youth and loss of levelling dear then he wept again with bitter tears and recited these also alack and alas patience taketh flight and from parting of friend to sore death i'm dight oh how woeful this farness from dear one and oh how my heart is rent by mine own unright would heaven my secret i erst had kept nor had told the pangs in my liver blight i lived in all solace and joyance of life till she left and left me in piteous plight o zayn al mawasif i would there were no parting departing my frame and sprite i repent me for troth breach and blame my guilt of unruth to her whereupon hopes i built when he had made an end of this verse he wept and groaned and lamented till he fell down a swoon whereupon hubbub made haste to drag him to the grave and throw him in whilst he was insensible yet quick withal then she stopped up the grave on him and returning to her mistress acquainted her with what had passed whereat she rejoiced with exceeding joy and recited these two couplets the world swear that forever twould gar me grieve tis false o world so thine oath retrieve the blamer is dead and my love's in my arms rise to herald of joys and tuck high thy sleeve then she and masrur abode each with other in eating and drinking and sport and pleasure and good cheer till there came to them the destroyer of delights and sunderer of societies and slayer of sons and daughters and i have also heard tell the following tale of ali nur al-din and miriam the girdle girl there was once in days of yore and in ages and times long gone before in the parts of cairo a merchant named taj al-din who was of the most considerable of the merchants and of the chiefs of the freeborn but he was given to travelling everywhere and loved to fare over wild and wold waterless lowland and stony waste and to journey to the isles of the seas in quest of dirhams and dinars wherefore he had in his time encountered dangers and suffered duress of the way such as would grizzle little children and turn their black hair grey he was possessed of black slaves and mamelukes eunuchs concubines and was the wealthiest of the merchants of his time and the goodliest of them in speech owning horses and mules and bactrian camels and dromedaries sacks great and small of size goods and merchandise and stuff such as muslins of hums silks and brocades of balak cotton of mary stuffs of india gauzes of baghdad burnooses of moorland and turkish white slaves and abyssinian castratos and grecian girls and egyptian boys and the coverings of his bales were silk with gold purfled fair for he was wealthy beyond compare furthermore he was rare of comeliness accomplished in goodliness and gracious in his kindliness even as one of his describers doth thus express a merchant i spied whose lovers were fighting in furious guise quoth he why this turmoil of people quoth i traitor for those fine eyes and saith another in his praise and saith well enough to accomplish the wish of him came a merchant to pay us a visit whose glance did my heart surprise quoth he what surprised thee so quoth i traitor was those fine eyes now that merchant had a son called ali nur al-din as he were the full moon whenas it meeteth the sight on its fourteenth night a marvel of beauty and loveliness a model of form and symmetrical grace who was sitting one day 
as was his wont in his father's shop selling and buying giving and taking when the sons of the merchants girt him around and he was amongst them as moon among stars with brow flower-white and cheeks of rosy light in down the tenderest dight and body like alabaster bright even as saith of him the poet describe me a fair one said said i thou art beauty's queen and speaking briefest speech all charms in thee are seen and as saith of him one of his describers his mole upon plain of cheek is like ambergris crumb on marble plate and his glances likest the sword proclaim to all love's rebels the lord is great the young merchants invited him saying o my lord nur al-din we wish thee to go this day a-pleasuring with us in such a garden and he answered wait till i consult my parent for i cannot go without his consent as they were talking behold up came taj al-din and his son looked at him and said o father mine the sons of the merchants have invited me to wend a-pleasuring with them in such a garden dost thou grant me leave to go his father replied yes o my son fare with them and gave him somewhat of money so the young men mounted their mules and asses and nur al-din mounted a she-mule and rode with them to a garden wherein was all that soul desireth and that eye charmeth it was high of walls which from broad base were seen to rise and it had a gateway vault-wise with a portico like a saloon and a door azure as the skies as it were one of the gates of paradise the name of the doorkeeper was rizwan and over the gate were trained an hundred trellises which grapes overran and these were of various dyes the red like coralline the black like the snouts of sudan men and the white like egg of the pigeon hen and in it peach and pomegranate were shown and pear apricot and pomegranate were grown and fruits with and without stone hanging in clusters or alone and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the eight hundred and sixty-fourth night she continued it hath reached me o auspicious king that when the sons of the merchants entered the vergier they found therein all that soul desireth or eye charmeth grapes of many hues grown hanging in bunches or alone even as saith of them the poet grapes tasting with the taste of wine whose coats like blackest ravens shine their sheen amid the leafage shows like women's fingers hennaed fine and as saith another on the same theme great bunches likest as they sway a stalk my body frail and snell honey and water thus in jar when sourness past make hydromel then they entered the arbour of the garden and saw there rizwan the gatekeeper sitting as he were rizwan the paradise guardian and on the door were written these lines garth heaven-watered wherein clusters waved on boughs which full of sap to bend were fain and when the branches danced on zephyr's palm the pleiads showered as gifts fresh pearls for rain and within the arbour were written these two couplets come with us friend and enter thou this garth that cleanses rest of grief over their skirts the zephyrs trip and flowers in sleeve to laugh our leaf so they entered and found all manner fruits in view and birds of every kind and hue such as ring-dove nightingale and curlew and the turtle and the cushat sang their lovelays on the sprays therein were rills that ran with limpid wave and flowers suave and bloom for whose perfume we crave and it was even as saith of it the poet in these two couplets 
the zephyr breatheth o'er its branches like fair girls that trip as in fair skirts they pace its rills resemble swords in hands of knights drawn from the scabbard and containing case and again as singeth the songster the streamlet swings by branchy wood and i joys in its breast those beauties to display and zephyr noting this for jealousy hastens and bends the branches other way on the trees of the garden were all manner of fruits each in two sorts and amongst them the pomegranate as it were a ball of silver dross whereof saith the poet and saith right well granados of finest skin like the breasts of maid firm standing in sight of mail when i strip the skin they at once display the rubies compelling all sense to quail and even as quoth another bard close pressed appear to him whose views the inside red rubies in brocaded skirts bedight granado i compare with marble dome or virgin's breasts delighting every sight therein is cure for every ill as e'en left an hadith the prophet pure of sprite and allah glorify his name eke deigned a noble say in holy book indite the apples were the sugared and the musky and the damani amazing the beholder whereof saith hasan the poet apple which joins hues twain and brings to mind the cheek of lover and beloved combined two wondrous opposites on branch they show this dark and that with hue incarnadine the twain embraced when spied the spy and turned this red that yellow for the same designed there also were apricots of various kinds almond and camphor and jelani and antabi whereof saith the poet and almond apricot suggesting swain whose lovers visit all his wits hath tain enough of lovesick lovers plight it shows of face deep yellow and heart torn in twain and saith another and saith well look at that apricot whose blooms contains gardens with brightness gladding all men's eyen like stars the blossoms sparkle when the boughs are clad in foliage dight with sheen and shine there likewise were plums and cherries and grapes that the sick of all diseases assain and do away giddiness and yellow collar from the brain and figs the branches between vari-coloured red and green amazing sight and sense even as saith the poet tis as the figs with clear white skins outthrown by foliaged trees athwart whose green they peep were sons of ruum that guard the palace roof when shades close in and night longward they keep and saith another and saith well welcome to the fig to us it comes ordered in handsome plates they bring likest a sufra cloth we draw to shape of bag without a ring and how well saith a third give me the fig sweet flavoured beauty clad whose inner beauties rival outer sheen and when it fruits thou tastest it to find chamomile scent and sugars saccharine and eke it favoureth on platters poured puffballs of silken thread and sendall green and how excellent is the saying of one of them quoth they and i had trained my taste thereto nor cared for other fruits whereby they swore why lovest so the fig whereto quoth i some men love fig and others sycamore and are yet goodlier those of another pleaseth me more the fig than every fruit when ripe and hanging from the sheeny bough like devotee who when the clouds pour rain sheds tears and allah's power doth avow and in that garth were also pears of various kinds 
syndatic alepine and grecian growing in clusters and alone parcel green and parcel golden and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say end section thirty one recorded by sylvia m b in washington state